Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Happy Juneteenth, family. Right? We can, yeah. Happy Juneteenth. I couldn't think of a more appropriate day to be talking about the value that Whole Life Church has of love than Juneteenth. It's a day that we're reminded to love all that God has created. All that God has created. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us and how you watch over us. Lord, we pray that you would be here with us today. And Lord, I pray that you would use me to share what you have for this family today. We pray in your name. Amen. As uh, you know, our church values at Whole Life Church are love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, the Bible, worship, and participation. And so we're doing this sermon series about uh, these values, and today we're talking about love. And I always think it's important that whenever you're going to talk about uh, a word in particular, that you define it. Because sometimes we can say the same word, but we can mean different things, right? I can say a word that means something to me, but it means something completely different to you. And so it's important that we get on the same page when we talk about love. I think there is absolutely no better definition of what love is than in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. So I warned you last week, I like to interact. So we're actually going to say this together. The words are on the screen behind me. And just because you're at home doesn't mean you get to just sit there and not say it. I want you to actually say it out loud with us, okay? So we're going to do this. Let's go. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's love. What's very significant about this verse is that it uses the exact same word for love that's used in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, when the Bible says, God is is love. I want you to just deeply soak that in. The Bible doesn't say God is loving. It doesn't make love just kind of one of many things that God is. John says about Jesus who he knew and says about God, God is love. So I want to do something that may challenge you. Maybe it won't, 
Maybe you've already thought about this. But I know the first time I did this, it blew my mind. I want you to go ahead and again, talk to me. You're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 again. But this time, we're going to substitute the word God instead of love. So let's read it that way. Read it with me. And if you're at home, again, read with me. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand his own way. God is not irritable and God keeps no record of being wronged. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up. God never loses faith. God is always hopeful and God endures through every circumstance. Is that the God you know? Because if it's not, I invite you to meet him today. That's who God is. And when we say this is us, it's very significant because if love is one of our values, and I would suggest to you here at Whole Life Church that love is the value from which every other one of our values flows. If we take this one value out, we have crossed out every other value on the list. And so it's important that we understand this one and we get it right if we're going to do the other ones right. The Bible without love is just a tool to beat people up with and to justify myself with. Grace without love is fake. It's a manipulative tactic to get people to do what I want them to do. Take any one of those values and take love out of it, and it's not worth anything. Everything flows out of that. So that's why this is so important. And as we have seen, God is love. And he tells us this. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. This is what it means to have God in us. It's so that his love will flow freely from us. But can we take a moment to be honest? That's not easy. And a lot of times you and I get the question wrong. As churchgoers, we come to church because we want eternal life. And we think, well, what's the checklist? What is it that I have to do to earn eternal life? And Jesus wants to tell us exactly what he told a man 2,000 years ago who came and said the same thing to him. 
If you have your Bible, you're more than welcome to open it up to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I'm going to be retelling the story in a paraphrase, so if you want to make sure that I'm not making things up, you can fact check me, okay? But Luke chapter 10 is where this happens, and the Bible tells us, Luke says a expert of the law comes to test Jesus. And he says to Jesus, teacher, and there's a lot more sarcasm in that word than we often understand. We kind of look at it a little bit as, um, as this guy's being respectful. He wasn't. He was being sarcastic with Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Wrong question. But don't you love Jesus? Because he's loving He responds to this man and says, you tell me, what does the law, how do you read the law? What does it say to you? And the man responds with what would have been a very common response in his time and his place. He he quotes from the law, from the book of Deuteronomy. And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus now knows he's got the man on the line. And he says, good, do this. And notice what he doesn't say. Do this and you will inherit eternal life. No, he says, do this and you will live. There's a difference. Go home and think about it for a while. Do this and you will live. And then the verse that I really, 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 really want you to hold on to comes next. Luke says, seeking to justify himself, he said, and who is my neighbor? See, this was a debate in that time and place. It was a debate. Who is your neighbor? Um, Because the word neighbor used in Deuteronomy can mean a lot of different things. Um, It's used in a number of different places. It can mean everything from literally the person who lives next door to you to a lover in the book of Hosea. The words used there is a lover. It's used as, uh, as, as a person, the, the other guy is another way it's kind of can be translated. But you know what it never meant? Never meant anybody outside of, of the Jewish ecosystem. Never meant that. Because in the same chapter in Deuteronomy, there was another word that talked about the alien resident that lives among you. And so there was no debate. This is clear cut. This is easy. Neighbor... Neighbor never means somebody outside of our faith, but, it, but who inside? Is it a practicing person, somebody who's coming to church regularly? Is it my spouse and my family? Who is my neighbor? And so the expert in the law tries to pull Jesus into a really good debate. But Jesus, being Jesus, tells a story, which is usually the best way to get around a debate and get to the heart of the matter. And so Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And I want you to hear it the way that they heard it. So what I want you to do is I want you to think. I need you to visualize. If you're the type of person who has to close your eyes to visualize, feel free to close your eyes. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I will assume you're not asleep. But go ahead, and if you're at home, wherever you're at, I want you to visualize two people. Two people that you respect. I mean, that you think are really quality people that you highly, highly respect. I need you to picture their faces. Are you picturing their faces? Nod your head yes if you are. If you've got, okay, everybody seems to have it here. Do you have it at home? All right, now, I want you now to picture somebody that you have 
animosity, disrespect that you really don't like, that you look down on. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's the other political party, maybe it's the other religion, maybe it's the person that doesn't agree with your worldview. But I need you to picture that person or group in your mind. You have it? Nod your head. Yes, if you do. I need to know you're with me. This one seems to be a little harder for you. I don't hate anyone, Pastor. Yeah, okay. Be honest. Who do you feel antipathy toward? You got that one? Great. Now we're ready to go. So now I need you to imagine that you are out for a nice walk early in the morning. Not many people are out. Just you going for a walk, wherever it is you like to walk. And as you're walking along, out from the bushes jump a bunch of people. They jump on you. They beat you. They steal your your purse, your wallet. And they throw you towards the shrubbery that they came out of. And then they head on down the road. You're bleeding all over the place. You're really barely conscious. And you're lying there on the side of the road. About this time, the first person that you visualize that you respect comes walking down that road that you were on, that you were walking. They see you. You can't say anything because you're so badly hurt. You try to... to, uh, and you can't even get that to come out. And the person looks at you and steps further away from you and then really hurries down the road. Now the second person you respect comes walking by. Again, you really can't say anything. You're just in agony. This person that you really respect actually comes over and they look at you. And then it's like a light clicks. I wonder where the people are who did that. And they jet. Now a third person comes walking toward you. It's the person that I needed you to picture that you just dislike to the core. This person not only stops and looks at you, they reach down, they tear their clothing apart and they start bandaging you up. Somehow they brought Neosporin with them magically and they have it. They put you in the fireman's carry and they carry you to their car, which is a half mile away. They put you gently into the back seat where your bodily fluids and blood stains the upholstery in their car and they drive you to the nearest Advent Health (laughs) emergency room. And when they get there, the hospital says, so what's the insurance? And the person that you can't stay, you can't speak, you have no identification, no insurance cards on you. It's all been stolen. The person that brings you in says, I don't want you to worry about that. Here's my personal credit card. It's got a pretty hefty limit on it. But if it should get past the limit... You just call me. This is my phone number. I have another credit card, and I will guarantee the hospital bill. And Jesus said, who was the neighbor? 
two points I need you to take away from this. The first one is that the opposite of love, we often say is hate. But Ellie Weissel had a different definition. He's a Holocaust survivor. He said the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And those two people who walked past you did not hate you. They were just indifferent to you. And Jesus makes the point that indifference is just as bad as hate. It is not loving. Indifference is more like hate than it's like love. The second point that I want you to take away that Jesus was making was that this man asked a bad question, who is my neighbor? What he was trying to say is, who do I have to love? Who deserves my love? And Jesus points out very clearly when he's, he actually reframes the question, says it different. He says, who was the neighbor? Instead of putting the emphasis on the other, he puts it on me. He puts it on my, me to be the neighbor and to do the loving thing. Now, a few of you are feeling stressed out. You're you're like, I can't love all the things that need to be loved. And the final thing I would say to you is that Jesus points out that you are to love what God puts on your path. He doesn't, you don't, whatever he puts on your heart and in your way, that's what he asked you to love, to not be indifferent to. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Is the question God is asking you today. It's appropriate that we're talking about this today. Juneteenth reminds us that just because freedom and love is available doesn't mean anything until you do what General Gordon Granger did and you show up and tell people And not only tell those people, but provide the full power of the federal army to say, you are free and I will make sure you're free. I will protect you. Because we can talk all day about freedom, but until you actually do something, it doesn't mean much. Those slaves in Texas have been free for a while but it meant nothing until somebody showed up and said, you are free and I'm gonna make sure you're free. This is the love that God demonstrates to us. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I want you to hear that. God didn't love us before we were sinners. He loved us when we were sinners and he died for us before we did anything right to deserve it. We know how deeply God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. In other words, it's not your job to try to be more loving. It's your job to ask God to live in you and then help you to be the loving person that he desires you to be. And when you fail, you don't give up and you don't become discouraged. You say, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, continue to ask him to come and live in us. Whole Life family, I need you to say this with me together. We're going to say 1 Corinthians 13. And since this is our value, we can put our name into it. The whole life family is patient and kind. We are not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. The whole life family does not demand their own way. We are not irritable and we keep no record of when we are wronged. At Whole Life Church, we do not rejoice about injustice 
but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. We never give up. We never lose faith. We are always hopeful, and we endure through every situation. This is us. Yes, it's aspirational, but yes, this is us. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.